Welcome to Sung's Garage. Now, this is more than just a place to work on cars. This is a place where I'm able to connect with people, talk story, and share them with the world. Today, we have another What to Watch episode where I'm joined by the guys, Racer M, David, Anderson, and Corey, to talk all things entertainment. We discuss about whether we like country music or not. In terms of geography, I have cousins from the South who, who were raised in the South and you know, born in the South, and they, they love country music, man. Like, love, love it, love it. Alan Jackson, you know, America, like, you know, Travis Tritt. They, they go to all those concerts. They love it. We share about the first time being starstruck. Standing 10 feet away from me was Bill Clinton. Wow. Oh, the musician. Wow. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not George Clinton. Not oh, George. George Clinton. Bill, hey, Bill Clinton is also a musician. Right yeah, and he, I snapped he a photo of him. But these women were going wild for him. We also share our fondest memory of going to the movie theater for the first time. From when I was like six years old, I only remember going to, I don't even remember my family really. I don't even remember like, (laughs) I remember like being, I remember being transported from home to the theater and theater back to home. We also share our sensitive side of what movie made us cry. I can remember the one of the times I cried watching a movie, period. Which and that would that? be uh, watching Grave of the Fireflies. Actually, Ooh, Downey. Oh, yeah, Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's uh, a good one. As always, we go into super random but entertaining topics. All right. Hope you enjoy. Y'all be good. What's up? What up, Song? What's up, guys? <laughs> oh, he's he, breaking. He's trapped. He's tra- oh, God. Yeah. Uh-oh. He thinks he's turbo. Look at that. <laughs> turbo was the best. He was. <laughs> turbo we were just talking was the about best. that. We he were just talking about where, yeah, where, yeah. where is turbo right now? Yeah. I saw turbo, like... He's old, obviously, but like I saw him recently on some TV or YouTube. Yeah, video. yeah. I thought Doing I saw what? that too. Like dance thing? I thought I saw that too. Yeah. Some kind of dance show. Uh, yeah, maybe. maybe. Well, I, I I was on a um a, a Beat Street <laughs> kind of uh, uh reminiscing binge for a while, and then I oh, went yeah. and fell into the rabbit hole of looking for Turbo and. Uh, uh-huh. He was doing European tours for a while. And what sucks is that, you know, there's footage of him when Beach Street came out at like, you know, LA premieres and stuff. And you see thousands of people going crazy, see all those kids. And at that time, the whole break dancing thing was like huge, right? Like it was, it was, it was what was relevant at the time. And, uh, and now it's like an older guy, you know, yeah. kind of <laughs> carrying his own bags and, you know, his clothes look a little dated. And I was looking at that and I was like, man, it, it got me depressed, man. And then it put me into this like rabbit hole of finding all these actors that lived and passed away before I moved into my neighborhood. Because I lived on the street in West Hollywood before I moved over here to the valley uh, where James Dean used to live. Right. So he right, lived on the corner. And then yeah. Houdini's dog was buried in my courtyard 
What? what? That's wow. weird. Dude, so I, I lived in so, a condo. I lived in a condo. Why my dog disappear? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the, the history of LA. You realize that we're here for such a short amount of time, right? And then you walk around the neighborhood, all these gigantic Hollywood like studio stars from back in the day, right? And these beautiful buildings and stuff. And then and then I was like in the courtyard looking at, you know, Houdini's like dogs, a little plaque. There's a little plaque, right? And uh, and that that condo building used to be a house. It was just a single house and Houdini lived in neighborhood and he used to walk and visit and hang out with his buddy who lived at that house. And then when the dog died, they buried it in that in that part of the, the yard. And then they built this big condo building, but they always kept that tree. There's a tree where the dog is buried under. Wow. And there's so much history, you know, but it made me realize, man, it's like you can't take yourself seriously because we're here for such a short period of time. Oh, yeah. And hopefully oh. if people remember your name, they go, hey, Sun King used to live here. It's not Sun King that asshole used to live here. <laughs> it's like, you know, hopefully Sun King, that that cool dude, that, that amazing human being that made a contribution used to live here. So but, yeah, with that, that's leave a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, hey guys, thanks again for joining us because yeah. I think we're leaving our own little legacy, getting together and trying to spread some positivity and share with people watching um, what to watch, uh, you know, uh, share with them some cool things to watch during this lockdown. So um, I want to start with a checking question with you guys. Uh, you know, during this lockdown, you guys, do you think you guys were forced to change your habits, your daily habits? i.e., for example, do you think you use less toilet paper now than you did before <laughs> the lockdown? I was more conscientious. <laughs> I was like, I okay, mean, I can't do I can't do three wipes, I gotta do two. But how many squares <laughs> of toilet paper do you think you used to use compared to now? Like I would oh. say my routine would be I, I even though if, if if the toilet paper's on the wall, I like to take it out. And I like to do a wrap like this. <laughs> this is my style. This is my technique. So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's here. I pull it off and I do a, I do that. And then I do my business, right? Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I have to go back for a second. But now right. I kind of, I stop and I look at it and I go, oh, that's one, two, three, four. Do I go to five and six <laughs> some days? Some days, if you feel like you can splurge a little bit, go for it, you know? Yeah. Some days. On a Friday, today yeah. is a, a six-sheet day. It's a Friday. Six sheets. That's right. Well, it depends, that's depends what you ate, right? Severity <laughs> <laughs> of your uh, – Yeah. Of what, what comes out. But – Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. You already <laughs> lost a lot of viewers here. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no, but, I mean, I, 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 bought, a, I bought a bidet – so, oh, you did? wow, you did? wow. yeah, well, I mean, Japanese not, not, bidet. Not, what's that? The Japanese Toto, like that, the Japanese. No, no, like, no, I don't, oh, I, don't yes. a, I don't have a high tech Japanese photo, but I have the I bought those, um, you know, on Amazon. I ordered the you know, those bidet attachments you put on a regular, I guess, oh. <laughs> for the nerds out there. Oops, sorry, you yeah. modified it. You modified yeah, it's really it. easy, it's really it's easy. It has a you know, pretty, pretty quick to um, install it so. I bought one of those and it's been like amazing. What's amazing <laughs> about love, 
I'm getting the visuals oh, to my yeah. hand. You lose less toilet paper. You lose less <laughs> yeah. toilet paper, of course, right? I just, I yeah, just do yeah. the one wipe just to, at the end. But uh, <laughs> uh, but it's just like you know, just it's just great because it's like it's like good for the environment. Uh, uh, it feels good. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. All right. Even w- even with the bidet, do you ever feel like you're just like wiping a marker, or is it pretty pretty clean? Oh no, it the bidet is no, thorough. No. Right, yeah. very thorough. The bidet, it's the bidet very, is thorough. What, what strength do you put it on? Because I always feel like I don't want to go too intense. Like the bidets I've used, you can't go like, too intense, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. But, but I mean, clearly, I'm, I'm using more intense better. better. <laughs> you know yeah, what? I maybe know. race, maybe Raceram has a more sensitive sphincter than you do, Corey. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. No, he's I a level one. Like an elephant shower. He's, he's a level one, but they are. So you're a one B. <laughs> the B stands for blood. Oh, <laughs> oh. Right, moving on. All right. Now we've lost enough people. Anyway, we have lost Thanks for ruining such a pleasant good. conversation about <laughs> personal hygiene, Racer M. Dang, man. Welcome. Welcome. All right. So, so leading to my second question, do you guys feel that it's okay for Asians to love country music ah or is it weird is it weird or do you go mm, that doesn't mix that's like no i mean it's, it's, in terms of geography i have cousins from the south who who were raised in the south and you know born in the south and they they love country music man like they love, love it love it alan jackson you know america like you know travis tritt they they go to all those concerts they love it Love I it. hear I hear country music uh, concerts are the best. My friends in LA that grew up listening to pop or you know yeah. Kiss FM, that right. type of music. You know they went to a a free country uh, concert. And they yeah, said I was that. thinking like, did they pay to? Because you have to want to go before you pay to go. So yeah, yeah. I mean they love they, they're huge fans. That's what the, that's the music they grew up with. You know, like that's their that's their. Uh, that's their soundtrack of their lives, you know? It's like, you know, right. they're from Missouri or Arkansas, you name it. You know, they, they just love it. So, yeah, I think it's all depends where you grew up. Yeah, I, I mean, growing up in Georgia, country music was always in the background. So, you know, it's comfort music for me. And before a right. while, you know, I denied it. Like, people would say, hey, you know, I love that country song. I'm like, country? I don't like country. Like, country? Why would you listen to country? You know, that's for that's yeah. for rednecks. Right, right. But as yeah, I got older... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but as I get older, I realize those little nuances and those little things that, you know, that we're into that might not be the norm is what makes us, right? So, like, I, I'm embracing it now. Like, I'm the radio man. You know, I'll look for a country, you know, station. And especially if I'm stressed, if I want to relax is when I listen to country. Because it's always – a country song is always worse than your own life, right? Like, you, you know, like, you think your life is bad, you listen to a country song, somebody shot his dog in Alamo. You know, nobody shot my dog, you know, yeah. so we're, we're all right, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not sure if I can equate uh, country music to, like, Hawaiian music, where it's kind of like, you know, like, we call it, like, Paniolo kind of music, where it's, like, kind of country or Spanish guitar. I don't know if Anderson come enlighten, you know, us on that, but... Uh, the ukulele it, stuff? It, no, like there's the Hawaiian cowboys and like a lot of the, right. the, the Paniolo music came from 
um, kind of Spanish guitar, you know, like it's yeah. like, so, but yeah, I mean, like, even like in Hawaii, Hawaiian music is very much kind of has that, not necessarily country, but I think maybe the yeah. theme explored in the songs. So I think yeah. a lot of Hawaiian or people from Hawaii, especially in the Hawaiian music scene, they, they love country as well. Because it's mm-hmm. like, that, you know, oh, yeah. heartbreak or like, you know, like a nostalgia. There's a, there's a sense of storytelling, right? When it comes yeah. to the, the, especially in country music. So I think that kind of like... Um, themes are explored uh, are really resonant within like also like in native Hawaiian, like Hawaiian music or, 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 you know, uh, so kind of like, or even like great American songbook kind of stuff. Right. So, mm. um, mm. yeah. So yeah, I mean, I like, I like country music per se. You know, I, I like kind of genre defined country music singers like Johnny Cash, you know, he's classic. Yeah. I'm not into country too much. I'm not like a big fan, but, you know, on certain ones like Johnny Cash, somehow it it broke that kind of genre where I thought was country, and I didn't know that was country in the way. I just thought it was kind of like you know more more rockish than it is country. Well, it is, yeah. That's why he was so genre because John Define because he was country and rock, right? I mean, like yeah, you look at the you know you think of country music, you think of like Nashville or something like that. You think of Sun Records, you think of right, even Elvis Presley, all the roots of rock and roll came from country. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, know, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'll believe yeah. together. They all have, all have a history, shared history together. Yeah. Have you I guys... can see Racer M is uh, enthusiastic about this subject. <laughs> I'm just listening, you know, Racer M, okay, Racer M doesn't listen to music. Yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> Racer M, Racer M doesn't listen to music because he's busy racing. <laughs> yeah. When I'm racing, yeah, I right. just I just listen to noise. It's just you listen to, sound of noise. You, you listen to your down. engine. Yeah, you listen to your engine. That's yeah, what the you hum, know. The hum and thrum of my engine. Yep. Of your five point seven liter. Yep, that's right. That's uh, right. And it has like the power of horses. It's so so powerful. You're Horse-like. you are a horrible representative for all racers out there. I try. I try. It's it's a Horrible. deliberate effort, and yeah. uh, I hope it shows. It clearly, it shows. Clearly. You guys think? You think uh, after this coronavirus, um, you'll be buying, you know, films online and ordering it, opposed to going to the theater for a long time. How do you feel? Well, about that? I, I collect physical media all the time, like even before in the before four times, like I like having it. And so I was actually contemplating like, wow, what if, what if our internet went out right now? So many people would be lamenting, not collecting like Blu-rays because then Netflix would go down, Hulu would go down. So I think even after this, yeah, it's still, I'd still pick up movies. When do you think you're going to go back to the theater? Uh, I don't know, probably after a vaccine, I can wait that long. The only movie right now that hasn't moved to date that might tempt me, but I don't think I would even for that is Tenet. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, uh, Nolan, Christopher Nolan film. So yep. yeah, that's a, that's but, the canary in the, uh, canary the in the coal mine, mine right? Yeah. Canary yeah. in the coal mine. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. What about, what about you guys? You guys. You, you think it's going to take a while too, like post-vaccine or like vaccine and a year later 
Or are you going to be the guinea pigs of going back to? Because look, okay, the vaccine, we have the vaccine, but I know there are going to be fools out there that are like, yo, I don't do that. I ain't taking no vaccine. You mean right? uh, an anti-vaxxer? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. you know they're gonna be those people, yeah, sure. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, how do we know, man? Like, you're gonna. I, I love going to the theater, but I'm, I'm being honest here. Like, I'm paranoid, man. Even if, if even if it's like a premiere for a film that I'm in, I don't know, dude. You just don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, there's too many people in my family that could pass away if I bring something home. Yeah, right, it's sure. not yeah. about me. Yeah. I'll probably yeah. survive. Right. right? Even what? for the, even for like, you know, the, if they, you know, I mean, I'm sure the, you know, a lot of the theaters, they're all like, you know, um, are going to implement kind of the social distancing protocols, right? Procedures like, you know, having people sit every other seat and also have, um, you know, um, cleaning disinfectant measures between screenings and what have you. But yeah, no, I think I, I totally agree with you, Song. It's like, you know, just I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be a carrier and bring it to my family, you know. So especially, you know, with the fact that in an enclosed space, you have AC recycling the air that you breathe, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like, yes, it's like I think it's just honestly too risky. And like and like, you know, I, I watch movies for a living, so I I don't know. It's just like really uh yeah, I don't know. It's just uh um I think, you know, I would wait till Definitely, there's a vaccine for sure. Anderson, you run in circles of people who watch movies for a living. What's the general sentiment that you have discovered amongst that group of people? Is it the same? Are some more cavalier? No, I think I think uh, I think for the most part, you know, because there's now, um, especially for art house theaters, there's like you know a lot of distributors are working with, you know, doing the virtual cinema uh like basically doing on demand uh you know with loud films are supposed to be released in theatrically you know you see at the arrow or you see at the new art theater you see at the film forum um you know because now those theatrical plays are gone because of because of the pandemic um they're you know a lot of distributors are, are establishing these virtual cinema portals where they partner with the theater and then uh and then just basically you buy a ticket to rent it rent the, the new film that would be technically, this is a kind of their th- theatrical virtual like release. And like, you know, and then they, they split the, you know, they split the, uh, the price of the ticket. Um, and then, you know, the distributor gives the 50% of that ticket to the, the theater, um, which is great, you know, cause it kind of still, you still have that kind of theatrical experience, but even though you're at home um, and you're, you're basically just watching a film on, on your TV or your tablet or your computer um but i think that's gonna be that's gonna be around for quite a while quite a while and then and then you'll see you'll see kind of like you know like when you look at the amcs or the regals you, you know it's gonna be kind of like these you know tenant or you're gonna be an mcu movie those are gonna it's gonna be big event movies that you know people will go see in the theaters and like the smaller films will just live online or maybe Broker more, more broker more deals with Netflix or Amazon or Hulu, you know. So, uh, so I think that's there's going to be more of a chasm, more of a disparity between the small films and in the uh, the you know, um, you know big budget films. There's going to be more situations where like Trolls World Tour, you know, which is going to be, which was made you know for theatrical, it's going to be just decided to be put on uh, you know on demand, you know. So it's just, and you know our mid range like you know twenty thirty million movies even. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll live on, on demand or on, you know, on Netflix, for example. Um, 
So I'm sure you heard the rumbling that Amazon's thinking of acquiring AMC, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I, I don't know if it's a good idea or not. You know, so yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, you know, it's enough that you know Jeff Bezos is you know probably going to be you know a trillionaire. <laughs> but like, yeah. But I mean, like you know, the theaters are hurting. You know, I mean, they're like the whole. Uh, you know, the whole thing was like, you know, it's going going back to the 1930s and 40s where the studios would would own their own theaters, you know, and then that's why they, they established these antitrust laws because of, you know, because of the vertical integration and now kind of going back to that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, it's a loop. It's a loop. This is around yeah. that same time, right? When it started. Yeah. yeah. What are you talking about? What loop? Like, um, when did vertical integration happen, Anderson? Like you know, like when you know the, from the very birth of Hollywood, What's right? vertical so, integration? You know, what, like what are you basically, about? you know, economically, like where we're like you know, say in in the movie theatrical space, like you know, basically, you know, a studio would make the movie, distribute, it, I mean, own their own theaters and distribute it in their own theaters, and so they control the content. That's like, you know, they control right. the type of films that are being that are being shown in those theaters. So, and that's, that's when they had those giant movie palaces, right? Like those, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So like, yeah. You know, like so, like you know, you have like uh, so, like Paramount owned their own theaters or RKO. Was it like United Artists also? Yeah, exactly. So, so that's because they're controlling the, the you know, it's basically a monopoly of the of the of that industry. So that's why they had antitrust laws to break that. You know, and now it's kind of going back into that space again, especially with Amazon is going to maybe buy up AMC or Amazon going to buy up. You know, or like you know, Apple going to buy up Disney, or or Netflix is going to buy up another chain. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's kind of like the consolidation of power. You know, so um, yeah. Huh. Oh wow, crazy. We'll see. We'll see. Well, you know, can you give one recommendation for everybody to watch this week? Uh, let's make it happy. Go, Dave. I I just started Parks and Rec. Believe it. Yeah. Or not. Great show. Excellent. Excellent show. Okay. Super Wait, funny. Have you seen all of it, son? No, I just started. No. So. I mean, I'm on. I'm on. First season's only eight episodes, but you know that was that. It, it's it's gonna get better. I heard. Oh, yeah. Are you asking me? Yeah. Have around? you seen all of it? I, I've never seen it. Wait, did you say it's a great show? Yeah. Well, because my friends are on the show, so I know they're <laughs> oh. great. So the show's good. <laughs> what else uh, do you guys recommend? Like, Grace Ram, what, what do you recommend? Um, uh, it's, I recently finished the second season of Castle Rock on Hulu and mm. I liked it a lot better than the first because the first season, oh. there was a whole lot of mystery that wasn't resolved. And the assertion was that every season would be like a different set of like Stephen King stories. So I almost didn't see the second season. But the second season has uh, Lizzie Kaplan as Annie Wilkes from oh, Misery. Misery. Yeah. And uh, it also has oh, interesting. Paul Sparks, the guy from House of Cards. He's really good at playing shitty people. Paul Sparks. Um, who else is in it? Oh, Elsie Fisher from Eighth Grade is in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Annie Wilkes' daughter. And it just felt a lot more solid because I feel like it was grounded less in mystery and more in the characters. And so. Yeah, it hasn't been renewed for a third season, but I have to say I like the second season way, way more. Mm. 
Reese Arms, it looks like you're just showing off your biceps for like past 15 seconds. Oh, I was scratching my hair, but if you want to get a look, I can do it. There you go. Let's all do it. Let's all flex. All right, Corey. Corey, what, what recommendation for this week? Did you have one? Um, I have a double feature. Um, oh. I just saw I just saw a movie that I've never seen before called Life Force. Oh, <laughs> wow. what's that one? That's that one? I've never seen That's life space before. vampire. Yeah, I it's think. a well, she's an alien, she's a killer, sexy alien. Yep, <laughs> um, it's a British movie, so there's no like, there's no known actors that you'll see in this movie, but it's a wild ride. Man. So it's like, long and boring, huh? <laughs> no, this I'm just joking. No, this just joking. Yo, you, it's not boring because. No, yo, if you watch oh, it, I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I it. Yeah. No, it's not boring. <laughs> it's also canon film. It doesn't make any sense, but it's not boring. Um, but you know, and then I was listening to a podcast about um, there's a movie called Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I, it's weird because I was listening to this podcast about Under the Skin, and they were breaking it down. Um, and then I watched Life Force randomly last night, and I was like, "These are like very similar movies." Oh, for sure. Yeah, and so yeah. anyway, that's and directed by Toby Hooper, who directed uh, uh, yeah. Chainsaw Massacre and Poltergeist. And Poltergeist, supposedly. Poltergeist. If you yeah. want to say it is Poltergeist, directed yeah. by him. Oh, yeah. really? Directed. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So, right. what about you? what about you, Anderson? Well, I'm watching on Hulu uh, the series called Normal People. Ooh. Uh, which is really good, and it's like you know, I think you know, it's based on these best-selling novels. It's about you know, basically you know, the young love, the journey between like a you know, a boy and a girl in high school who meet and set in Ireland, and then you know, kind of their trajectory for their like you know, love story. So it's really about young love, first love, but also first lust, you know. And it's like a it's a pretty uh, sexy show in a sense, but it's very real. Kind of reminds me of kind of like a before sunrise or even like a say anything type of like feel to it. Um, and it, it goes from like senior high school to, to them going to college. And uh, yeah, you know, I think it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's a really bingeable show cause the episodes are like half an hour. Uh, the actors are really good. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was surprised. It's like, you know, I binged the whole thing, like 12 episodes. So I really recommend that, that show. You know, so it's, it's, it's on Hulu and like, you know, I have no idea. It's based on these like wildly popular novels that, you know, has a big following New York Times bestseller list. And it's also directed, only half the episodes directed by, uh, I forgot his name, Lee Abramson, who did The Room. The, oh. You know, the one with the... Brie. Yeah. Brie Larson. Oh, yeah. Brie Larson, yeah. Brie Larson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it, a, is it a limited series or is it the first of possibly many? No, I think it's like uh, I think it's first of, first of possibly many because uh, because it's based on because it's a it's a it's a series of novels. So I don't know gotcha. what. Yeah. So I mean, uh, but it's 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 really good. I really recommend it. it's on Hulu called Normal huh. People. All right. Yeah. Cool guys. Cool. All right. So so Dave, it's Parks Parks and Rec for you, Corey. Parks and Rec. Life Force. Life Force and, and Under the, the skin. skin double feature. Yep. Eraser M. What, what did you say yours was? Castle Rock season two on Hulu. Castle Rock. Okay. And then Anderson, Hulu. Normal people. Normal people. Yep. 
David, why did you choose that background? What's what's with that? Because I miss my church, man. I miss my church. Oh, that's your church? I thought it was a movie no, theater. No, no, I mean, yeah, that's the same. Right. Exactly. It's the same. <laughs> church, right? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the church, church of the AMC. Yeah, yeah. The church of the AMC. How, it's just a movie theater, man. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking about I was thinking about that recently. Movie theaters are my church because I wouldn't mind if I heard someone at church talking, but if someone talks in a movie, I know. I want to yeah. send you to hell. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel the same I mean, way. There's no doubt. Or at least you know, get a AMC employee to kick them out. <laughs> but how do you guys feel about? How do you guys feel about when people talk through the movie though? Like they're like reacting oh, to the movie. It, oh, I, I actually, I, I actually tell them to shut up. Really? Actually, yeah. I, I, I learned, I was, I was not brave in the beginning, uh, but I, I had, I, I just said enough is enough. I can't stand when the phone is on. Oh yeah. I can't stand <clears throat> it when someone's like, like, like if it's a little kid, like I remember watching Harry Potter and like the whole kid's narrating throughout the whole film. <laughs> Like, oh, this part's coming up. And he's telling his sister this. I, I, hey, David, I, is that I'm the first gonna... time you told someone to shut oh. up? Was so you turned around and told the kid to shut <laughs> up? Hey, baby, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time you felt the bravery well up? Yeah. You're like, this, finally, yeah, this yeah, is the no right limit. person. You know, I don't care if you're seven years old or 70. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> No, but I had enough. I I, I just stopped uh, like 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 resisting the urge to tell people. Like it was very hard for me to enjoy. Everyone's trying to enjoy the film, and why can't you know you can be that person that stops that person from you know causing dismay in the theater. So you know I you know I like it that I would always have if I had a friend with me to watch a movie, I would tell him, hey, you're my backup, okay? If this guy comes up and tries to beat me up, you gotta got protect me. Hey, my David, when we, saw, when we saw The Lodge, was that your, like, thought? Just in case someone talks. Well, you look back. kind of big. I mean, you look built, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see that. Super intimidating. I, I right. love being in a movie theater if it's like a, a comedy and everybody's laughing at the same time, like that's yeah. the best feeling in the world. Or if it's a horror movie and everybody's reacting or like a super suspenseful, like I love that. I miss that energy of just being around like hella people. So, yeah, and, so it, it all depends, you know, like if, yeah. if, if the whole, that's what's great about, you know, uh, going to movie theater, especially when, uh, when an opening night crowd during Avengers, right? It's like amazing, right? people are feeding that feeling that energy and people are reacting to it or um you know but like at the same so i think it depends like i mean that's why i like i I do agree with david that movie etiquette movie going etiquette has gone downhill um but oh yeah great to have, the like, phones i think ever since have, like, the theater, chains, theater chains like you know alamo draft house that are very yeah. um oh, strict that's the only place uh, i want to go uh you know because like people if you if you take out your phone and you start texting in the in the theater, they'll they'll kick you out, you know. Uh, so, which, 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 oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they see it. They have an advertisement in the beginning of the film. Yeah. And it's a pretty it's not, it's you know, detailed it's you know, Yeah, it's a it's a policy, yeah. So it's great. Yeah. Wait, so, I'm uh, curious, Anderson. Do you are do you have the stones to tell someone to shut up when they're talking in a movie? Because I'm like in between for me. I'm I'm not like David. I can't do it every time. I've had bad experiences. I never had like I mean I I I just 
like, you know, told people to, you know, I just go, shh, you know, keep it down, you know, uh-huh. at the most, but uh, I've never had an, any altercation or anything like that, you know, like. Has anyone, like, like, once you give them the first shush, they kept talking? Or has it no, been no, pretty they, they, yeah, I mean, I, no, I think, I think they've stopped, you know, they, because if they're bothering yeah. other people, you know, I mean, other people will, I think it's like, you know, you have an icebreaker. If like, you're the one who goes, shh, to someone, other people have the, you know, the, 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 the courage to actually, you know, also, you know, shush back. Yeah, shush back to that, to that person. You, you know, want so. the shush back. Yeah, yeah, you, you want, want the support. Who, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's yeah, so it's nah, fine. You know, nah, I gotta it's, tell you. You bought a ticket. You bought a ticket. You know. You're yeah, Dave, to- Dave, you're like the uh, vig- the uh, movie theater vigilante man. Yeah, that's like, right. I, uh, yeah, the enforcer. Yeah, I should have a shirt. I will tell you to shut up. <laughs> yeah. You should wear a little. You should wear like a red beret and like a leather vest. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. shirtless angels, shirtless, but with red beret. They look like you know, little crew with hammers, like little yeah, yeah. hammers like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And smash their phones. <laughs> just, just stand in front of Harry Potter. Every, every yeah. Disney and Pixar. Be like, don't talk, kid. Don't talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you should yeah, also I mean, hold the hammer. Hold the hammer yeah. against the kid. That'll definitely. Right. I'll teach him. Hey, what was uh, what was Dave? What was your first movie theater experience that you remember? Like the first, like re- that made an impact and and set, you know, the path of you being a cinephile. Well, this is the theater I grew up in. I lived. Now it's a church now. Um, I don't it was called Empress Theater. Yeah. It was actually called, uh, I think it was called a uh, Dia Theater or something like that before that. I think it was uh, another kind of theater, but it became a Chinese theater. And that, I lived that's, in down, that's in downtown Hawaii. That's in downtown Honolulu. Yeah. Oh, wow. And literally right at the, right at the edge of the, all the buildings. And, they, and I lived in a poor housing area, which is like, like, Pretty much the oh, separation of downtown. Yeah. Right, yeah. And we, and this is the, the first time I went there, I remember watching uh, a film and it was called um, Nacha, Nacha the, the Great. Oh, and, wow. And, and man, this blew my mind. Like, look at, like, it's all like just people doing real martial arts <laughs> and these are martial artists and they, and this is all done by Run Run Shaw. That's and crazy. Like, yeah. And it's just fun. Like it's, it's so visceral. And I, and I know if you like old Chinese I, cinema, I do. They, wow. You know, it's, it's all great, but you know what the, the, and you talk about experience, it's this, anytime I see this logo, yeah, and if then they can play the music here. Let me see. Can you hear it? Yep. <laughs> That's it. Shaw brothers. Shaw brothers. I'm, like, I'm like transported. I'm like transported, dude. Like that's the reason why I became a cinephile. Because like from when I was like six years old. I only remember going to, I don't even remember my family, really. I only remember, like, 
Yeah. <laughs> I remember like being, I remember being transported from home to the theater and theater back to home. And every week for 50 cents for a child, you can watch a film at Empress Theater. That's in crazy. That's and awesome. it's always a different movie, I think. Yeah, I, used to, I used to go to that theater with my parents as well. Yeah. Yeah. But there's another theater too called uh, Golden Heart. Oh, yeah, which is right around the corner. Which is right around the corner. Which and is, they also. Now also have, church. <laughs> yeah, double feet. This is where I actually got introduced to Bruce Lai. After he passed away, uh-huh. there was a, another guy. His name is Bruce Lai. Like Bruce that's, Lee, but it was that's the know, character that uh Breeze yeah. Lou was kind of based on. I know of, I'm finishing the game, the game. Uh, yeah. If right. I had to, yeah, if I talk about that, you can't, I have to talk about finishing the game. I mean, yeah. finishing the game, which stars you, son. Uh, I thought that was an awesome comedy. I wish it was longer, but you know, I'm sure budget did not permit that, but you know, to have more of that movie, like it's such a great looking film. And 16 millimeter. Such, yeah, it was super uh, 16. Mil- what? 16 super, millimeter? Yeah, yeah. Super 16. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was shot by Tom Clancy. It was really Tom that, Clancy. Tom Clancy, yeah. the novel. Very right? basic. Not the uh, Hunt for October. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Justin so and Justin Lin and Josh, um, you know, went to film school together. And Josh was our first AD on... Um, like tomorrow. Yeah. And while we were yeah. doing Tokyo Drift, you know, you know, they were kind of going back to this idea that, you know, they had of what would it what was it like when Bruce Lee died finishing the game of death and you know, how did they cast that guy that filled in his spot that you really never see his face. If you look at uh, finishing the, I mean a game of death. Yeah, game of death. Th- he only shot like fifteen percent of the movie, I think. Yeah. Something like that. And yeah. then um and the rest of it they had to put this dude in and they would always have him, you know, the camera yeah. would do like a pan and he'd be behind like a, you know, like a, like right. a, like a potted plant. So you never see his face. You <laughs> yeah. see the, right? It was like weird. Right. And or then mask. Yeah. Or so mask. it was, it, it's such a, it was such a clever idea of going, yeah, oh, yeah. In that in that time, how did they, how did Warner brothers figure this out? Who were the masterminds of, getting Game of Death released. Because if you watch Game of Death, besides the Bruce Lee stuff, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scene is, I think, the best. I mean, it's yeah. one of my favorite oh, scenes ever. I mean, the rest of the movie is like pieced together. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, yeah, it it, makes sense. It's, it's weird. It's almost like Bruce Lee, it was like, uh, you know, the, the energy of Inner the Dragon turns to like a, a Hong Kong Emmanuel tone. Did you ever see Emmanuel, yeah. that sophomore yeah. from the, yeah. like, the 60s? Is I mean, it? I it, it, <laughs> it felt like that. It was like, why is Bruce Lee all of a sudden in an Emmanuel movie? It was like, wait, cause the, <laughs> the shots didn't make sense because all of a sudden they have to do all these weird pans where you never see his face, right? So <laughs> it's like yeah. these, these, these like erotic foreplay kind yeah. of romantic yeah. lead-up scenes that never happened, right? Yeah, so, it was bizarre. Uh, yeah, that was I feel like finishing the game is uh, really, really um, underrated. And it was, yeah. we went to Sundance and it didn't get the, you know, the, the, the reception that Better Luck Tomorrow did, you know. And there, I mean, there were many lessons to that film was that, look, man, 
you know, to do a repeat of Better Look Tomorrow and to have that kind of energy is maybe once in a lifetime thing. Because I remember Jeff Dowd, our producer's rep. Um, the dude. He was, yeah, the dude who, who, who the dude the from dude. the Big Lebowski yeah. is based yeah. on because he was the yeah. Cone Brothers producer's rep too. He told me, he said, hey, kid, I've been doing this a long time. And this energy you guys are getting with Better Look Tomorrow is maybe never going to happen again. Or it's like wow. once in a lifetime thing. It's very rare, so enjoy wow. it. And I remember. And Man. then when we went back with finishing the game, I thought it was going to be a shoo-in because I loved the movie. And I was like, this mockumentary style is like clever. It's fun. I mean, yeah. the world has, would have never been explored. Everybody knows Bruce Lee. But interesting enough, not everybody knows Bruce Lee anymore. Game of Death. That jumpsuit, that yellow black jumpsuit, yeah. is associated with today's generation with Kill Bill, mm. not Game of Death. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah, right? that's crazy. Be right about that. And, and that yeah, was the so first crazy. thing I noticed when I would ask people, like, hey, do you recognize the suit? They're like, yeah, it's from Kill Bill. And somebody would mention, like, oh, you guys are doing Kill Bill you know, costumes. And we're like, nah, man, that's from Game of Death. And, right? And, uh, Graham, do you and, agree, Mr. Youngin? As, um, uh, I mean, no, not for me. I'm part yeah, of y'all. Yeah, Rick Saram, his 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 uh, knowledge of films is too vast to ask. But I bet you, uh, if you asked, I mean, I, I bet you, if Rick Saram asked his like nephews or you know his young cousins, they wouldn't know. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Even Kill Bill's a little far back, I think, for people. 2003. To, I don't know. I mean, but that yeah, jumpsuit. That jumpsuit, that jumpsuit. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, which was a, yeah, obviously you know that was an homage to Game of Death, Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone sees that jumpsuit and they think of Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. So yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah, generational thing. Yeah, you know, a funny story was this is when Justin and I were kind of we got validation of how good finishing the game is because it's actually my favorite film that I've done with Justin. Right. Mm. I, I don't know because it was so fun, man. It was yeah, yeah. It was just so oh, it fun. Looked like it was so much fun. Yeah, and it was all our friends coming together, and you know, most of the props came from a Tokyo Drift. Oh wow! A lot of the set hmm. stuff was from Tokyo Drift. Justin had an idea of like, let's shoot finishing the game right after Tokyo Drift, so we can use a lot of the you know the the, wow. the sets that they're gonna throw away. So we were able to recycle a lot of that, and but funny enough is like. About two years after the movie, maybe two, maybe it was actually three years. Um, you know, went to Sundance. It didn't get that reception. Um, kind of, you know, like kind of questioning. There was a lot of questions. You know, is this mm -hmm. was the film good or like the people? You know, did we waste our time? And Justin and I were walking um, on Ventura Boulevard. I think it was Ventura Boulevard. We're just taking a walk after we had lunch. He's in the valley. And this, yeah, and this guy comes up to us he's like he's just walking by and he stops he stops me he goes hey hey it's you and then the obvious was like oh he's gonna talk about fast and furious movie right and he goes oh my god we love you we love the movie you're in and i'm like huh and fast <laughs> and furious he goes no 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 i don't know that one and he's like the movie about the martial arts so you're you know you're in the yellow jumpsuit and you're, ah. it's like a comedy and i was like Finishing the game, he goes, yeah, I'm from Peru. And it's what? on, we, we have a Kung Fu theater still, like on free TV, like public TV. So 
on the weekends. Remember back in the day, like on Thursday or Saturday night, Kung Fu Theater would be on, on, yep. on in the yep. free TV, wherever yep. you guys were living. So yep. they still have that in Peru. And he goes, because we show old Kung Fu movies, they showed finishing the game because they thought it was an old Kung Fu movie. <laughs> oh, <But> that's awesome. <laughs> they discovered it was a mockumentary <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, yeah. That, of the film that, that they funny. love. So because they watched those movies, Kung Fu Theater is still happening in uh, Peru. They got all the jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. And so yeah, Justin and I were like just looking at each other going, dude, this is the beauty of art and cinema is that, you know, in certain areas you might be totally yeah. ignored. Right. And then Peru, yeah. you're the biggest thing in Peru, man. Yeah. That's, that's so awesome. Yeah. That's, that's really, really awesome. All right. All first right, time, first time that I remember seeing a movie in the theater was, um, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I remember very clearly. I must have been like four or five years old. I, I don't know how old I was. I remember going into the dark, like space and then watching the, the battle of Hoth, the, big epic snow battle and um just being totally blown away by that but i think i i think i fell asleep for like the rest of the movie and then i woke up <laughs> like at the end when like you know darth is like talking to luke um and then yeah that's all i really remember of that movie but i remember that was my first movie it's crazy that you fell asleep at <laughs> I think that's what I mean when I took when I took my son to movies like when he was really young that's that's pretty much par for the course he'll watch the beginning yeah fall, mm. fall asleep through the whole middle and then he'll yeah. wake up for the end and that's true that, I, yeah, that would yeah. be your experience yeah. you know what I mean yeah. to me I feel like you remember things that you 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 did in the theater you know like whether you your popcorn pop you know like you know you know like you know you jumped out of your seat or sleeping whichever yeah but yeah those are great memorable times like that like you know you went with your family honestly yeah i went with like my neighbor and like yeah i went with like my my neighbor they had kids and stuff like that. Uh, so they're cheating babysitting cheating <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love the stage of the movie experience when you, you start appreciating the concessions you know when you're when you're a baby, oh. you, you, you get what is given to you, right? But then when you actually get to that age where you can go to the, you know, the snack bar and yeah. then uh, pick out the different type of, you know, concessions you're going to have. Yeah. Like, yeah. First yeah. time I had Milk Duds at a theater, yeah. Milk Duds and Pepsi. Oh, man, yeah. it blew my mind. Yeah. That's when, <laughs> yeah. I, that's what solidified that this is where I, this was, the theater is my church. Is, this is where I belong. Yeah. I yeah. can eat Milk Duds and Pepsi. Right. right, and so, no one's... So, so milk does are the body of Christ, and Pepsi is the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. You know. exactly. exactly. Well put. Yeah. Very well put. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I remember the the first time I was allowed to have milk duds and Pepsi was, um, but like Corey, you know, my dad would take me to all the you know kid movies, like all the Disney movies, like Pinocchio and stuff like that, Hundred One Dalmatian. But I don't remember like. Those experiences, you know, I don't have like a deep, I remember I saw the movie and that's it, but I don't remember what I ate or, you know, what the theater looked like or what it smelled like. But at a certain age, I think I was like 11 or 12, my dad took me to go see American Ninja. Yeah. Oh my God. Is that the one with Dudikoff? Who? Hasselhoff? Is that Dudikoff? 
Dudikoff? Michael Dudikoff? Is Michael Dudikoff, yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. Wow. You goal know this movie? Goal on Globus production. I told you. I know. Yeah. Oh, really? yeah. It's a Canon movie. Canon movie. I mean, How can I, you forget I, his name? Dude. Dudikoff. Yeah, Dudikoff. Yeah, it was so weird to me because as a kid, I was a huge ninja fan, man. I wanted to be a ninja, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, totally. and then being able to watch this this movie without my sister and my mom, it's just my dad. It's like a dude film. And then I God. remember leaving the theater in the car and I was talking to my dad and I was going, hey, dad, I have a question, though. If his ninja suit is an American flag, I thought ninja suits were to camouflage you. He can't really camouflage. <laughs> so... <laughs> Hey, this is uh, you're, not to be, you're supposed to be in the shadows, right? Yeah. <laughs> a, a ninja is all about the stealth. Yeah. The American yeah. ninjas don't care about subtlety. No. <laughs> Obviously. He, yeah, also, that's why he's an American ninja. Yeah. 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 But no, who cool. made that suit? Like, I was like, where did you get that ninja costume made? Like, yeah. where is the ninja who's supposed to be stealth, right? It's supposed to be yeah. undercover. Goes and gets an American flag ninja suit. Come on, you know it's some old lady somewhere in Burbank that you know is a seamstress. That he has to. So you know yeah. you can't you can't you can't be undercover, man. Right. You can't, and she's blind. She's blind. Yeah. She's a blind seamstress. Yeah. But <laughs> but going back to those movies, like that's when you realize, like you know, it can be a bad film, but it's still to me. Man, oh yeah. Yeah. It doesn't know, matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, my, no, my, my, my first uh, movie theater experience probably wasn't my first experience. I think my parents claimed that they, you know, they took me to see Star Wars when, you know, maybe during the re-release or maybe Superman in the movie. But the one I remember most vividly is uh, a film that I actually saw maybe only the first 10 minutes. Uh, so <laughs> they actually took my parents who were, you know, you know, immigrants to the country, they're refugees from Vietnam. So, and then like, you know, by, by my, by our house in our neighborhood on, on Oahu, there was a, a old drive-in theater called the Wildlife Drive-In. Yeah. And, uh, so every weekend we would go there and like, they, they, they took us to my dad and, you know, like, oh, let's go see uh, Flash Gordon. Right. So, oh, nice. But, you know, so we went there, you know, me and my brother and we all, you know, concessions all in the car. Uh, I think even my, I don't remember, but we used to like hide in the trunk to like, you know, cause like, you okay. know, like, yeah. Pay per person. So yeah, yeah. a lot of people were doing that. Not, not only us, yeah. but, um, yeah. it's great. It was great. You know, that, that driving was always packed, man. But so we, you know, we decided to see, you know, Flash Gordon, but, um, but it wasn't Flash Gordon. It was actually Flesh Gordon. What? <laughs> <laughs> No way! Which is funny. Flash Gordon came out before the Sam Jones Flash Gordon, so. Uh, but I said maybe it was like kind of like a double feature, you know, like or whatever. Because you know, drivers will always play movies from you know. It doesn't have to be new releases or what have you. But okay, yeah, it was Flash that, Gordon. Just clarify: is that porno or not? It, I mean, it was a soft, soft porn. <laughs> porn but they actually made a. They actually made a. You know, like a pretty. You know, like. A soft R or high, you know, hard PG thirteen version, mm. but uh, uh, you know, so it was flesh cord. So I remember PG thirteen. I'm watching it like you know, it opens with you know passengers on the plane like at a seven forty seven, and all of a sudden something happens, and 
all the passengers, all their clothes start burning off, and they all started having this huge orgy. And it's like of my course. mom was screaming. My mom was screaming. He's like, get, like telling my dad, like, get, you know, get the hell out of here! Like, <laughs> like driving, you know, take them. You know, like, why, why, why did you take us to take your sons to this movie? And my dad's like laughing, you know. And, uh, <laughs> And then my mom was eyes and stuff. So, I mean, so I remember just watching that, you know, I've never seen the, the film in its entirety, but I remember watching the first five or seven minutes of it. It was like, yeah, it was right. really impactful. <laughs> so it was wow. like, so yeah, a that great was story. Movie. You win the award for best movie experience. Yeah. Not, yet. Not yet. Ray Saram hasn't shared his experience. Yeah. He might be All able right. to top this. Oh. <laughs> Well, going back to something someone said earlier, like the first one I can remember was Lion King. Lion King. The first one I can remember. I know I'd seen something before that, but Lion King is the one that I remember with the most clarity. I remember I watched it at a Pacific theater in Lakewood, California. And I remember it was like packed with parents and kids. And... I saw it multiple times. I think I saw it twice. And all I remember is that I loved the design of Scar way more than Mufasa. Like Scar just looks cool. He has that scar over one of his eyes. He has that felt look to him. Mufasa is a little more husky. So that moment when, spoiler alert, um, Scar throws Mufasa off the cliff. I was the only person oh, great. who cheered. <laughs> I was the only kid who cheered when Mufasa was thrown off the cliff by Scar. That's my earliest memory. Wow, you got really interactive. Wow. You were you were never the same ever since. No, never. I also cheered for the part in Lost World, Jurassic Park Two, when that guy gets torn in two by the two T-Rexes. So cool. Crazy. Yeah. And then your parents get to see a child psychologist afterwards? No, no. I don't think it's necessary, but I do wake up in a cold sweat sometimes. Do you cry? Have you ever cried in a movie? I've been told that's when you sweat from your eyes, right? Oh, so cold, so uh-huh. cold. Yeah, hard as a rock. I can't remember the first time I cried in a theater. I can remember the one of the times I cried watching a movie. Period, Which and that would that? be uh, watching Grave of the Fireflies. Actually, Ooh, in Downey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Grave of the Fireflies. Oh boy, yeah, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, I rented it from Blockbuster. The fucking five day five-day rental and yeah got me super emotional it's an anime it's an anime movie uh uh right after the world war ii what the about these two kids who lost their parents and man it was man you're right that that movie was the most depressing anime movie i've ever watched yeah i think i would say if you haven't seen it yet so watch it you will, okay. at the very least, get emotional. Yeah, it's, really, it's really... Hey, man, I, I, I cry. I like to cry in movies. I like movies that make me cry. Because then if, uh, my attention span with films, you know, it, it's, it, lately it's so hard. But I'm, if a film is, like, pulling at that, like, you know, level of emotion, I yeah. love those kind of films. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
I, I, lately, I mean, have you guys seen Train to Busan? Have you seen that film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Train to Busan. Oh, yeah. Dude, there was a scene in that film with the, you know, the older ladies and that, the two sisters. Oh, um, yes. Oh, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. oh. That, that film made me cry probably like three times, man. You know? Yeah. That's a great film. That's a great I, film. I love those films. What about you, Anderson? I mean, like, you know, like as a, as a, I think as a, I think as a young adult, I, and it was more of the sense of like, this is like the first film that I was, ex- you know, like I, I was excited about because it was like an Asian American film was the, the, the Joyla Club actually, you know, mm. I was like watching it right, right, right you know, like as, as a senior in high school, not knowing anything about it. And then we're going to see it with a bunch of friends and like we all cry. <laughs> I was crying at the end of the movie, like crying at so many things, you know, like it's like, and it was just like, uh, you know, I never read the book. I didn't know nothing, anything about it. And I was like, oh my God, just to see like, you know, kind of like this Hollywood movie with Asian stories and Asian, Asian characters, and Asian actors. It was just like really profound in a way, you know, and I think it's like, uh, you know, I find the film like, it's still, I mean, you know, I, I still holds up. It's, you know, very sappy and melodramatic and stuff like that. But uh you know, like, yeah, it just, it just got me. It's got me. I think this is more of the fact that because I've, I haven't seen, you know, my, my exposure to, like, Asian representation uh, growing up in the media was, like, either, like, Dustin Wynn and 21 Jump Street or, you know, Kung Fu Theater, you know? And that was basically yeah. it, you know, or Bruce Lee. So to see, you know, that and, like, uh, you know, that's um, – you know, that film, and like, it just, I don't know, it's just like, yeah, I, 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 I cried big time. I cried big time in the theater. I think, I think that vividly, I remember that as my first time actually like sobbing in a theater, <laughs> you know, so. If I was sitting by you, I would have laughed at you. I'm just well, yeah, sure. <laughs> No, you yeah. would have told them to shut up. You'd have the hammer too. You'd have the hammer too. What about you, Corey? You remember the film that you saw? Okay. Um, I was, um, I actually, I think it was a blockbuster rental again because uh, I was watching it at home. Um, there's a movie starring um, Denzel Washington and Matthew Broderick called Glory. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's about the Civil War and it's about this uh, black regiment of soldiers fighting for the Union. And so, yeah, like I'd never cried in a movie before in my entire life, but at the at some point in, near the end, you know that this this whole black regiment is going to charge this fort, and you know that they're you know they're basically sacrificing themselves. Dude, I haven't seen it, Corey. Oh my god! So I was like, why? Oh, it's a great song. I didn't understand. I was like, I don't know. Maybe it was the music, or maybe it was. I don't know what it was. But that movie is directed by Edward Zwick, David. Yeah, last samurai, baby. <laughs> and I, I, I think that was Denzel Washington's first Oscar nomination for best supporting yeah. actor. I think he won. He won. Oh, he won. Oh, he won. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he won. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Corey. Fun fact: Glory is in 4K Blu-ray now. So if you ever want to revisit <laughs> it, oh, I love it. I have to buy so a 4K TV. A I, my first crying experience that I remember was. Um, Actually, it's related to my like first time I was ever starstruck too. So uh, you know, we, well, that's another that's that's another question for later. But um, I used to be. I, I think I, I have no shame in, in admitting this, but my favorite actor of all time 
of all time to this day is Gary Coleman. Oh, and wow. Yeah. And it's oh, not because, oh, oh, you know, the, as a, not because, you know, in terms of craft, he's the greatest actor, you know, he's not Brando, you know, he's not, he's yeah, not yeah. Daniel Day Lewis, but for me, I grew up with him man. different yeah, strokes yeah. and all the, uh, movies he made i don't know if you guys are aware but he made hella movies man he made he did, all those yeah. tv movies right and like he was in a video game was he yeah i think it was called postal 2 but yeah he was in it <laughs> what, when you he was older that one, david when he was older uh, i know postal and postal 2 but i don't remember him being in it i'll look it up but wait so what is this a violent game it's like oh yeah it's a yeah, it's a violent violent game. Game. yeah man see that towards the end of his life dude it sucks because, like, that's when you see, you know, he's a product of the the worst of Hollywood. Like, yeah, like you know, it, it, he was he was beloved as a kid, and people made millions off of him. And then as an adult, he when he was working as a security guard at Beverly Beverly Center, is around when I actually met him, man. And I was like starstruck. I was working at this restaurant, and he came in, and um. And he was—he he wasn't eating there. He was—I think he was off work or something like that. And he, there was a fireplace there, and he was warming his hands. And I was like freaking out. I was like, "Yo, that's Gary Coleman!" And people were like, "So?" And I, and I finally like, had oh the courage to walk up to him, and I was like stuttering. I was like, "Mister, Mister, Mister Coleman, I just wanted to say that you know I'm 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 a big fan, and I grew up with you, and and I feel like you taught me a lot of lessons as a kid." And he was kind of. You know, he was a little cold. You know, he kind of looked up. It was like, yeah, I guess that's what that stuff is for. And then yeah. it kind of broke my heart, man. But I remember watching his movies. Like, there's a movie that uh, about him living in the train station. And, oh, uh, on the right track. On yeah. the right track. <laughs> he was and, living and, in and, the, the locker. A locker, yeah, right? And, yeah. And, and his dad. That's sad. The actor that played his dad, it's not Ben Vereen. It's uh, Robert Goulot. No, Robert Goulot. Oh, he, he plays what? his dad in like almost every movie, every Gary Coleman movie for some weird reason. But there's a scene where, you know, the dad dies or something like that. He dies and Gary Coleman's all by himself. Oh, those movies. Yeah. This is so sad. It's those so sad. sad. Yeah. 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 And you know what? I think Gary Coleman, like he really knew how to tug everyone's heartstrings. Cause, you know, the way he emotes, like you feel like you emote the same way that he does. So I feel like kid. I was like, and like, even this is another one where he was like a foster kid uh, to this white lady. And I thought like, and this lady just hated him. I was like, Oh my God. Like, you, like how can you hate a child like that? And the way he cried, I was like, I was with him. You know, I was, I was with him throughout the whole film. It was, he, he just, he was so great beyond, different strokes or facts of life, you know, back in the eighties. And I thought like, you know, like I resonate with him a lot, you know, back in, I mean, who, he was a huge star, you know, to me, to like, to you too. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not laughing at, you know, you saying Gary Coleman, because I really think he was a really, you know, uh, a, a great uh, role model character uh, that he, all the characters he plays was one of those characters I really, you know, loved you know, like, uh, you know, like reflecting on, like almost like, like he was our age, I think, right? He I'm was. Sure. I mean, you, you, I lived vicariously through him. There was, remember in Different Strokes, I don't know if you guys watched yeah. that show, but sure. remember um, when he meets Mr. T 
And Mr. Yeah. T was like the biggest right. thing right in the yeah. world at that time. And I felt like I was meeting Mr. T, you know, through Gary Coleman, right? Through, oh, right. That's interesting. Yeah. And so was- he, you know, and they and they dealt with a lot of like you know like young teenage issues and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. in the show, right? And so yeah, I think uh, yeah. So, yeah. Son, anyway, son, do you, do you think that Gary Coleman was just super bitter at at the moment that you met him? Like, was he just? Oh yeah, because he was a security guard, you know, like he. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he wouldn't you like, be? Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. I think I, mean, I think so also I mean, his parents, his classic, man. Yeah, his classic. His parents like, spent all his money. Yeah, right. classic child star. You know, you're 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 given the uh, you know uh, basically all this fame and fortune when you're a kid, and that just screws up with your with your head, you know, and like you have that um, you don't have that. Um, you don't have the right mindset uh, when you when you grow up, and like you know, eventually you know you're you're, you're going to be forgotten and like thrown away by the Hollywood system, and you know, and you lose jobs and you gain you lose you lose you know your your luster of being you grow up basically you're not no longer that cute little kid anymore, and I think that that, yeah. that hurts him, and that and that, and you know that's why he ends up making Postal or Postal Two and like becoming mm-hmm. a security guard you know it's it's rough i that, that that totally that's a total mind fuck you know so yeah yeah i mean imagine yeah. you're the star of these movies and then all of a sudden at the end of your life you're doing bail bond infomercials yeah i mean that's what yeah. he was doing it was like bail it was like i would see him on infomercials like three in the morning for some bail bond thing in la you know it's like you probably got paid like 500 bucks or a thousand to do I, that i remember he also like ran for governor right remember the the recall and the you know Ray Davis. Oh the, you know, wow! The, the, the Ray recall. Davis. I haven't heard that yeah, name yeah, in a yeah. while. Yeah, I think yeah he ran for he ran for governor as well. So that's crazy. Any you know like it's like yeah so he yeah he definitely had like a pretty tragic life you know so every like every every kid that was on different strokes had a terrible fate. Am mm-hmm. I right about that? Yeah. I think the, yeah. Only, the only one who's still alive is Todd Bridges. Yeah, yeah, Todd Bridges. Well, he yeah. became a devoted Christian. Uh, yeah. And he, he, he went on like the Arsenio Hall show and he pretty much proclaimed how much his life has changed. And I thought, oh, you know, at least, you know, someone's trying to be positive, you know, and because he was in a world of drugs and all that stuff too. So, you know, it helps to have a testament of your, you know, your durability after the fact that, you were once a star and you know, now you are not sought after. So, you know, Dude, that show that the cast of different strokes was so tragic. I think the only one that didn't have all of this drama and baggage attached was the housekeeper. Remember yeah. they had a housekeeper at like yeah. the first two years or something like that in the show, but everybody, yeah. even the father, Mr. Drummond, you know, he, he came out, he came out of the closet and that was a big, like, yeah, during that time, I'm sure it wasn't easy. You know what I mean? And um, and then the sister, I think, did she OD or something like that? I think she yeah. might have passed away. I think she right? died like in like the late '90s. Dana Plato, yeah. right? Was her name, so. I just I just looked her up independent of this. I did not realize she was dead. She died. Yeah. It's so sad, yeah. man. It's so sad, dude. It's so sad. You guys, I, um, I remember watching different strokes and they would always, they would periodically have those episodes that weren't funny. You, you remember that where they, it was like, there was a, there was a classic, uh, you know, the, the, the child molester episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, know, I know, I know. Yeah. They, oh, they, they, I know where we're going. It got super dark. 
And How many people have, can like, say that? At the end. Classic yeah. childhood episode. Back in the 80s, episode. that's what it was. Oh, it was like, like, a, very, you know, you can, a very special episode of different episode. Shows, right? So, like, either that or, like, Nancy Reagan shows up to do the whole, you know, say no to drugs campaign thing. And, like, you know, like, it's like, yeah. There's always, there's always those special episodes. You know, like, yeah. it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's go back to being starstruck. So, Dave, I want to know who you were starstruck by for the first time. Oh, well, coming from Hawaii, we don't get a lot of uh, movie stars coming over. But when one doesn't have did, to be a movie star, guy, doesn't have to be a movie star, the star, Ernest Reyes Jr. Oh, yeah. Ernie Reyes Jr. was in The Last Dragon. Uh, he was a stuntman for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah. sidekicks, and also the rundown with the rock. He had a TV show too, didn't he? With, uh, Don Johnson. What was it called? Nash Bridges. No, no, he had a, he was a, he had a TV show in the eighties where he, uh, he, oh, he had sidekicks. Was sidekicks. One. sidekicks. Yeah. Was, uh, sidekicks was was one of the last electric dragon, right? Yeah. From the Disney show, last electric, electric dragon. Dude, Dave, it's so funny. You bring up, Ernie, it's because this film that I did here, Heroics, uh-huh. this one is, is the Robert Rodriguez Netflix what? film I just did. Oh, right? no way. And yeah. so this is, my, this is my character name, oh, Lightning wow, Fast. But uh, Ernie's, Ernie's daughter is in the movie. Oh, wow. really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, his daughter is like that's an great. actress now. Yeah, so I got... So he was he was a uh, you know a, a set dad. So he would just hang out, watch it, you know, watch his daughter. We're in we're in uh, Texas and uh, and um, Austin, where you know Robert's studio is. And then uh, oh, oh, he was on he was on set every day. We're just hanging out. I was That's like crazy. I was like I, I had to pinch myself. You know, I was acting cool. You know, but I was like, hey, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I was just I was like looking at him, go man. And, and but the inner dialogue is man. I used to watch you. I used to want to be you. <laughs> Dang, I can't, I can't believe I'm sitting here with you. Right? Yeah. He was yeah. also in uh, Red Sonia. Remember? He was in Red Sonia. Oh, yeah. that's, that's right. right. Yep. Bridget Nielsen. Yeah. And, uh, Arnold, Arnold as, yeah. as plan. <laughs> yeah. I'm really interested in seeing how that reboot of Red Sonia is going to be with Phil Soloway. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a totally different tone, I think. It's going to be yeah. better than Brian Singer. <laughs> I thought they tried to reboot already. Red yeah, Sonya. but they, they got Red Sonya. I mean, they finally uh, got rid of Singer. Was a singer. Directed, but, but now it's oh. still following. Yeah, yeah. Which so. will be interesting. Thank God. What about you, Corey? You, you have a starstruck moment? Okay. Um, I was in uh, I was in New York City, Times Square, in the year two thousand. I remember it was year two thousand because. Um, <laughs> because the, the, the World Trade Center towers were still there. Oh, damn. And so I was in Times Square. I was trying to get a ticket for a Broadway show. And um, I was in a crowd of people. And then all of a sudden, I hear all of these women screaming. And I was like, oh, there's a celebrity or something's going on. And so I get, I get out my disposable camera that I had at the time. Um, and I was ready to turn around and like see Justin Timberlake or something like that because these women were, were going nuts. I turn around like 10 feet standing, standing 10 feet away from me was Bill Clinton. Wow. Oh, 
The musician. Wow. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not George Clinton. Not oh, George. George Clinton. Bill, fucking hey, Bill Clinton is also a musician. But these women were going wild for him. Like I've never ever heard like that type of frenzy for anyone in my entire life. And, I feel wow. your pain. I feel your pain. My my mind was blown after that. I was like, wow. Bill Clinton. You were Maybe. starstruck of Bill Clinton, yeah. or were you starstruck that the people loved Bill Clinton? Yeah, no, I, I was amazed that they were treating him like he was like some kind of crazy movie star or some kind of pop star or some kind of you know, it's like I'm, yeah. I, I was surprised that yeah, but women were just ready to just fall on their knees like at that moment for Bill. Uh, well, he was already president or was he running or? 2000? No, George W. Bush was president in 2000. Okay. Yeah. So he was pre-presidency. Post. post Pre-Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. No, no, does that oh, Yeah, post-Monica post, Lewinsky. Post. Yeah, this is post. Oh, post yeah, yeah. He Monica was done, Lewinsky. done with the second term. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I wonder if that Monica Lewinsky thing made him more desirable towards women because you know like presidents are known to be sexy right they're not sex symbols but like he was a musician he'd be playing the saxophone at our senior hall show so he had all these cool elements but i wonder if the tipping point was that scandal it's like you know i wonder man like you know like you look at today right like you know with trump talking about punching women in the pussy and stuff it doesn't like you know there, there are women that get like upset about it but then there are women that I think they like they're attracted to power. You know, there's certain because yeah. yeah, yeah. that reaction, yeah. if it's post Lewinsky, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I know, right? Like what? Right? Yeah, I thought people would be, you know, like calling him an asshole and like get out of here, you like jerk. But people were going nuts for him. That I've I've never seen that before. Like wow, in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but yeah, and then that, yeah, that's what blew my mind because it, it's about power. It's really about power. power. Like that is the, that's the power of power, right? Yeah. Right there, illustrated, and yeah. So, I wasn't really starstruck. I was just kind of, it was crazy. And so, I got a picture. Struck. I got a picture <laughs> of Bill Clinton on my like uh, on my disposable <laughs> camera, and he's standing there in a crowd of people just smiling. I, I wish oh. I had that picture. I don't know where that picture went, actually. I got to find it. But but I think, you got to find it. Yeah. I think that's that's really fascinating, right? Like, even now, it's not like he's totally a pariah for what happened with Monica Lewinsky, but compared to how people react now to 2000, like, it's very different. Like, Me Too, you can really see the change of how people react. Because, I mean... Monica Lewinsky, she was the pariah, even though she was like the young one. And so it's like really interesting to see that change in like public perception from before to now, where it's like, I feel like if that scandal happened today, we wouldn't be polarizing um, Monica Lewinsky, we'd be doing it to Bill Clinton. <laughs> Do you think so, right, Saran? But look, with t the current president, there's no accountability. He can do anything he wants. Like that whole porn star. Look, I mean, Monica Lewinsky was not a porn star, right? I mean, we, this, we, we've had a president that's been linked to actually a porn star and there's nothing that's happened. So like the Me Too movement, I thought was going to make an impact. Like there was going to be a check and balance from now on. But if the most powerful man in the world is the symbol for 
what is right and wrong and, and male behavior. And there's no accountability. So what is all this? Like, I feel like everything that led up to that is a bunch of talk now. Like, so if no. you're powerful, none of the rules apply. No, no. I, I, you know, it's, it's, I think it's like, yeah, they're the great things. I think, no, it's just because, you know, he's got this, it's just because the half the country, the country's divided. Right. So it's like, you know, it's, you know, so you're going to have no matter what, I think Trump is like a, a symbol of something more than that, unfortunately, because for him, he just occup- he's, he's occupying a seat for, you know, certain parties to kind of just, just get their agenda uh, in place, you know, if, if anywhere from like making, turning over the Supreme Court to all conservative seats to, you know, uh, and other things, you know, like uh, destroying, uh, uh, you know, like environmental policies, you know, just like, uh, you know, strengthening like, you know, uh, uh, unfettered capitalism. It's like, you know, you, you name it. So it's just like, you know, a lot of people can ignore kind of the indiscretions because of, because it fits within their agenda. So, um, but, you know, I think it's like, you know, I think it's good to have, um, you know, these, these movements happening because it's like, I think it's just, it's just a, it's just a, definitely a paradigm shift where you have basically people who, you know, who are, you know, want to have that kind of uh, 1950s ideal America, pick white picket fences, just like white people in power, you know, and as the, you know, as the country and the world gets more and more uh, diverse and brown, you know, so it's just like, so this is kind of their last kind of like hurrah to grab as much power as they can because, you know, just that tidal wave of like diversity that's happening. And then I think it's like, they're just scared. They're just scared. It just breaks my heart because you know, the quintessential idea of like conservatism, right? It's like, I go, is it, it's purely like self agenda. It's about money, man. It's about yeah, hoarding absolutely. shit. It's not about like, where's, where's the Christian values? Cause I know, you know, some of us here are Christians and like, I go, if, if the conservative, if, if conservatives, if the Christian sect can, if my people from the Bible Belt can be okay with our current president doing whatever he wants, I don't know, man. I don't like. It makes me even question religion. I go, what? What is this? What's going on? Like, put, put, set aside politics, you know, from from the liberals to the conservatives. Aside from that, just I'm basic, do the right thing stuff, right? Like going back to race Rams you know, point about if Bill Clinton, the Lewinsky thing happened today, Bill would be crucified. I think if, if he had the attitude like Trump, like, I don't give a fuck what, there's no accountability. I mean, as long as you, you, you fit 50% or, 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 or a certain percentage of, of someone's like, you know, like monetary agenda, they'll forgive you for all these things. So I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't know where we're going with this because I'm, I'm all with you and uh, Anderson, like we have to have these movements, but I'm scared, man. It just comes down to fear of like, if the most powerful in the man, man in the world can get away with all of this, what is that teaching everybody else? Like, so the goal is to get so powerful that none of these rules don't apply. Right. So I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, if this movement was so strong, why can't they take him down? You know, or why, why can't yeah, yeah, protect? Yeah, protect, but, but they could have taken, but they would have taken Bill Clinton down. They would have taken well, Obama down. 
but they have i feel like the world we live in now with the disinf the, the extent of the disinformation from russia and other places it's too <laughs> complicated there's too like as an example like if i go on a subreddit for AOC Alexandra Ocasio Cortez like yeah. if you go to that subreddit now instead of it being supporting her it's more about shitting on Biden and saying Bernie no matter what and it's very easy to be like oh yeah sure that's the general sentiment but also part of it is like russian trolls like astroturfing this so that people who go on that subreddit will say oh look at all these people who support bernie they won't do anything i hate them so they're breaking down the unity in all these other groups and i feel like those outliers that's what's complicating it now compared to like bill clinton or even obama to a lesser extent is social media all of that that wasn't as prevalent then and social media right. no. as yep. much good exactly. as it's given it's yeah. there's so many cracks now <laughs> that they can come in and pull yeah. Yeah. because social yeah. media has provided that forum for you know the marginalized people for the disenfranchised to have a voice but at the same time it's provided a, a platform for you know, anywhere from Russian bots to fake news to you name it, to and you know to to really kind of Dark. spark you know um, sense of cancel culture, the sense of disinformation. You know, so it's like it's 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 tough. It's like a pretty complicated. You know, it's a uh, it's all confusing. What about what what about you, Racer? Who were you? Did you have a starstruck moment? Uh, I think that it would be. When I attended a Q&A for Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, it was a Q&A and Park Chan-wook was there. Nice. And so that was like maybe 2003, 2004. It was at the the Egyptian. And I was just, I'm the kind of person who doesn't like to break rules and go up there, but I was watching it with my dad. And when the Q&A started, we were like, all the way to one side of the auditorium and they were congregating towards the center front. And my dad was like, go, 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 go ahead. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> and he, we basically started walking up to the front alongside Park Chan-wook's entourage. And I <laughs> ended up sitting next to like his partner or wife as he was doing the Q and A. And my dad was like, go, 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 go ask him for a picture. And so I have a picture of me with Park Chan-wook. That was probably like, my starstruck thing because I love I love his work and I loved it back then and so yeah. It's funny that Eurasian likes that like the movie stars. It's the director and the pe- behind the scenes people that you're yeah. starstruck with. Mm. Yeah, I'm so I that's mean, like, good. I mean, like JSA, so good. Oh, JSA. And, like, just the story of, like, how he makes sympathy for Mr. Vengeance after JSA is so fascinating. I like that type of, like, fanship or, like, you know, that type of respect where you're you're respecting the person purely based on merit of their work, right? And I think that's that's the right type of fame and that's the right type of celebrity. It's like, you're not... You're not infatuated with his like hair or skin, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to, 
Like you don't want a piece of his like hair. You don't want you know you know you're not <laughs> sitting there like thinking loony stuff. It's just you don't like, know. Wow. Razor M probably has a tuft of his hair like in his <laughs> scrapbook. <laughs> uh, not for him. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. You guys are awesome, right. <laughs> and uh, appreciate. So we'll talk to you all later, and uh, you guys right. watch what they told you all to watch. Stay <laughs> safe right. out there. All right. Uh, Thanks, guys. Yeah. Bye. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Sunk's Garage. I hope you enjoyed this episode of What to Watch. It's amazing to hear from the guys that the movie theater is their sanctuary. Now it's going to be such an adjustment trying to go safely back to the theaters. But with David shishing everyone, hopefully people follow the rules. As always, let's all continue to stay indoors if possible and stay safe during these tough times. For all those medical first responders or essential people helping, I truly send my thanks to all of you. All right, y'all be good. It's time to give a shout out to all the people that made Sounds Garage possible. We got producers Anson Ho, Sal Gatula, Gary Lee, Aaron Strongoni. We got music by the one and only talented Lyrics Born. And we got food, catering, and hugs and love by Mickey Yen. All right, thank you very much. And also, all of you guys that are listening. Till next time, peace out. See you at Sounds Garage.